Hello and welcome to episode 490 of Fergo on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, Andrew RLP. And joining me as always is the Glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. Thought I'd do that a bit slower, change up the mm-hmm. rhythm a little. That's what she said. Uh, it's been a while since I've pulled one of those out. Yeah, yeah. That's, what That's also said. what she said. Um, <laughs> hey, I remember, remember last month we kept your birthday quiet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you missed my birthday, Andrew. Yeah, I know. And I, don't I, thought, play, I don't play that shit. I thought, you forgot mine, so fuck you. <laughs> I just, I mean, it's not like I gave you a chance. I just wanted still... to bring it up on the podcast, so now we're both minus one on that fucking stand, you know? And, I mean, now it means that you're now 50. So, you know, congrats on that as well. It's a big yeah. milestone. Yeah. Although, you know, I was... I was Laying in bed last night, jerking it, and I was, do. Uh, yeah, and I was thinking about this is technically coming up on twenty years of leaguefreak.com, right? Oh, yeah, but and I thought, man, I should I should probably do something with that, but then I thought, you know what? Next year would be twenty five years since I first used the name League Freak on a website of any kind, and that was on. There was a, a website, I think it was called Oz League or something, and they had these really basic, like, you put a name in and you post a, a comment, and I used League Freak for the first time on that. That was back when when you'd type in a username and it might be um, NRL. It says, yes, that's available. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I used League Freak on that, and I, I, say, I said some derogatory things about the way South Sydney were being had been run over the previous decade, and uh, that was in 1999. So next year is technically 25 years of League Freak. Yeah, it's funny about that. Mm-hmm. Is that when I first ventured onto the forums, which was in about 2003 over at League Unlimited, um. I went on there and I was basically just abusing South Sydney fans about yeah. how shit their club was. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was. I mean, we've come full circle. Yeah, pretty much. That's what she said. There's a um, <laughs> there's a there's a whole like range of forum stuff that happened. Like there were them open forums, and then uh, there was an R League forum, which was a bit mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, I've always found people that run forums are fucking weird. Like they've got this. Um, I don't know, this weird thing about them. They like to feel like they've got power of someone. It's like, fuck off, you know, and I never played that game, so I would have to move from forum to forum. And lots of fun things I did on different forums, but I, I've, I stopped using forums ages ago. It was more when Twitter come along and there, well, were, that's right. there were no moderators, and I was like, you can, you know, all these people can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, and there's less now. What do you mean? Less moderators now on Twitter. Well, there were none for me, and now yeah. now there there were even less. Yeah. You know, the, the, yeah, at least now you can talk about, you know, is it, these vaccines make you feel a bit weird, and you don't get fucking prosecuted by a bunch of dweebs. I'll be honest, I was wondering where you were going to go there. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, all, like all the old forums and stuff, you go on them, and they'd but there's always some fucking weirdo that just they don't like you. And because they're a moderator, they, they're they like, oh, I'm a moderator. It's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Did I ever tell a story about the Total Rugby League forums on here? You may have done. The, when they set up the Gulag? Uh, 
Oh, no, I think you've told me about that, but I don't think you've ever mentioned on the podcast. Okay, so Total Rugby League forums, they had this thing where it used to be an open forum and it used to create a lot of chaos on there. And then they they said, okay, we're moving to a subscription model. So you have to be, you have to have a membership to to be on the forum. And it means you've got to have a, an address and everything in England. And you know what my my thing is. It's like, I'm not giving you money and you're not going to know where I live. And so somebody on the forum got in contact with me. I don't even know how when I think about it. And they said, hey, I want to buy you a membership because <laughs> it's too much fun watching what you do. So I was like, all right. So I had a membership and that's where I started saying I was from Chorley and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And so I start going on the forum. So they now they've got a problem because they have – people that paid money to be on the forum that they don't want there. So what do you do? Cause you can't, you can't, you know, fucking kick them off. So they set up this forum, which they enclosed that only members could see. And it was called the Gulag. And that's where you went. If you were naughty. Okay. A couple of people went there and nothing happened in the Gulag. Well, eventually I went in, I got put in the Gulag. Well, I made it my personal forum. As right? you do. Yeah. I just made it the league freak forum. And people started coming in and, chatting with me and asking me questions on there and stuff. It was fantastic. I can't remember. I think eventually I got kicked off for forever and uh, I, I didn't care, you know, but it was, it was fun knowing that I upset people that's names. I don't even know. So Fucking you, hilarious. You upset a bunch of usernames. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I always find it hilarious when these people that will be like, I get more, more people that will be like, I remember you on this forum and it was fucking amazing what you're doing. It's like, oh, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But the (laughs) the moderators are upset, the faceless dickheads. They all know my name. I don't know theirs. That's the fucking best part. Um, They're still all there. (laughs) Yeah, no, no shit. They had nothing else going on. (laughs) I'm not not saying with any authority because I've never been on those forums, but uh, Uh, I bet they're still there. They fucking will be. You know Hmm. what those type of people are like. Yeah, well, um, the sort of people that go to cricket matches and score it themselves on a bit of paper. Well, yeah, I mean, that's part of the fun. <laughs> Speaking of chaos. Yes. Uh, our old mates at the Brazil Rugby League have decided. Are you there? The uh, IRL bashing. I'm still here. Okay. okay. So have you disappeared again? Shall I go back to what I was saying? Yeah, yeah, start again. So what were you saying? Uh, our old mates at the Brazil Rugby League have decided to tip their toes into the uh, bashing of the International Rugby League pool again. Mm-hmm. And and this time, this time, the Honourable strikes back. Ooh. Yeah. So, but, the, um, so the Brazilian Rugby League, who's an emerging nation, they hmm. – they got a little bit upset because this big calendar that had nine dates on it all time for the rest of eternity had not, had absolutely nothing, like not even a shred for emerging nations. It didn't even have a country on there starting with B. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. This is like, come on. Yeah. Like there's not many opposites that start with B and we can't even get a plug. Come exactly. on. Exactly. Um, so, the, the look, the one thing I do find interesting about Brazil Rugby League, and I'm here for it, is they do their press releases in tweets. Mm-hmm. So they said, this is um, this was from today. 
in the last tweet, we said a line of dialogue that had been opened with Troy Grant after he answered some of the audience's questions and tags in our post. Unfortunately, Troy did not respond to our messages and emails, showing or just confirming that the concern is with his image and not with the problems experienced by developing countries. Brazil Rugby League and 17 other countries from observer to full members from all continents, some participants of the Rugby League World Cup in 2021 in the men's, women's and or wheelchair categories will be sending this letter. Uh, so we're sending this week a letter of recommendation to the IRL requesting information and changes in the last decisions taken, hindering the development of the sport. The letter will be sent to IRL and will be a set of collective demands from the subscribing members. However, Brazil Rugby League presents its doubts and requests publicly, which may or may not be from the countries that wrote the letter. So here's their list of uh, issues. Okay. Number one, it was presented just a few years ago that the IRL's aim as key priority to take Rugby League nines to the Olympics, and now the sport has been phased out. Should countries continue to play it or not? Um Number two, it was recently reported that the 2021 Rugby League World Cup was a financial exhibition and impeccable success. Now the IRL says you have to cut back to make a profit. Number three, before it was said that it was a success and something unique in the sports, the Rugby League World Cup's being all together, which we agree. So saying how, you know, having the men's, the women's and the wheelchair World Cups all together was... um, something that was entirely unique that would help market and get more people invested in the Rugby League World Cup. And they've even said afterwards that that was a huge um, factor in some of the new sponsors and stuff that came along. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure I remember, I remember reading that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you did. I remember that. So they've now decided to separate them. <laughs> yeah. After which, doing it once. Which makes you think about, were they telling the truth about their, that actually being an aspect of sponsorship and money coming on board correct uh number four besides the in quotation marks world series name do you have any plans ideas dates formats or sources of funding it seems to us that we will still have to play uh, still have to pay to play with the only difference being that these events led us from nothing to nowhere now it was said that it would be discussed with the countries so far nothing almost nine months and a trip to singapore is not enough time to talk with us with so few resources, is a meeting in Singapore really necessary? Number five. <laughs> what stage is the IRL's membership in the GAISF? Um, now, this was the something International Sports Federation. Yeah, it's pr- basically what it is. Is it's a, it's it's like a, it's not a governing body. It's basically just a registration of who are sports and who are not sports. And it was important for rugby league to prove that it is a sport in its own right from rugby union, especially in emerging nation countries so that those emerging nation governing bodies can say like, and let's say, let's use Brazil as an example. They can go to the Brazilian government and say, we'd like funding for rugby league. And the Brazilian government goes, well, rugby aren't you and they go no here look at this list rugby league is a different sport we don't come under the rugby union um authorities and we need our own funding so that's where that's important correct now i'll finish reading this one but it's worth pointing out that i'm fairly certain the gaisf was wound up during or just after covid are you serious i never heard that 
Mm. And I'm pretty sure it got replaced by something called Sport Accord or something like that. Okay. Um, I well, I'm pretty sure that's what happened, but I'm I'm confident that the GAISF actually did get wound up though. Okay. Um, says the IRL no longer appears affiliated on their website, and we've been beaten in affiliation by fistball, mini golf, and arm wrestling. Have you ever heard of fistball? No. Let me tell you, wonderful pastime. Mm-hmm. It, it's it doesn't sound it, but <laughs> once you get used to it, it's like yeah, yeah, keep doing that. All right. Mm. Um, with all due respect to these sports, we deserve more after so many years. We then suggest, so here's the plans of what they think should happen. Okay. A return of the Rugby League World Cup nights every four years as a form of opportunity and visibility for the developing nations. The Emerging Nations World Cup returns on a four-year cycle with accommodation and food costs paid for. Increase the number of Rugby League World Cup 2026 participants to 10 in the female category. Um, Allow affiliated members... Uh, member countries to participate in the men's qualifying for 2026. Um, a calendar for developing nations and rugby league world cup qualifying submitted ASAP. That's a, that's an actual calendar, not the IRL wish list calendar. Yeah, yeah. Um, a creation of a group with developing nations to know their opinion in decision making. Uh, given the IRL claims not to have generated revenue for over 10 years. Sale of game rights to AMG or similar with participation of the IRL as advisor. Changing the group of regional international managers seeking to grow in the membership of the GAISF and acquire institutional funds from the IOC. Now, either the Brazilian Rugby League listens to our podcast or this is parallel thinking of the highest order. Either way, we're both right. Um I I think every single one of those demands are pretty, uh, like, not even over the top. I think they're reasonable and should be the most basic things that you could ask for and expect out of a administration. Yeah, then it's not like they're asking for you know thirty five billion dollars or anything like that. No, they're, they're not even they're, they're not even asking for for favors. money really. No, they're not asking for favors. No, no. Um. I, I was going to say, like, um, they've basically just mentioned all of the things that the IRL have actually gone out and said in public. Yeah, and 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 haven't delivered on. Mm. And I love that they're calling out the individual administrators at the International Rugby League for um, just lot enjoying being posers and the fact that it's been nine months and they've done nothing. They've come up, as you say, with a wish list in nine months and they flew to Singapore to come up with that wish list. It's disgusting. And these, you know, emerging nations, of which there are many, many, many emerging nations, they're they're all just sitting there wondering what's next. And the fact of the matter is for those nations, there is no next. For most rugby league playing nations, there is no next. And that is down to the international rugby league just completely collapsing the game and this current administration taking us from having not a bad international setup to having nothing at all like how did they manage that well i suppose it's easy to manage having nothing just by simply doing nothing yeah it's a good point that's a really good point yeah and that way you're getting paid 
even better in those jobs because you're getting paid huge money for the least amount of output. And that's what, I mean, that's what working smarter, not harder is all about, isn't it? Yeah, true. Just find, just find a place where you can do nothing and you've got no consequences. Yeah. And it's, it's incredible. I just can't, I can't imagine being in such an important position and it's not the most important position in the game. It's not even close, right? But to be in a, a position that is important and just throwing your hand up and saying, well, I'm going to bludge this one. The thing is, it should be important. It should, and, yeah. And the yeah, reason it why it be. isn't is because the people running this, the International Rugby League for too long, too many of them have... The, well, in the past, a lot of them were also running their own nation's rugby league, and so that was their priority, not the international game. Mm-hmm. Now the people have got in there, um, I mean, what are they doing? Who are who are these people? Most of them aren't even interested in rugby league. Their interests aren't even there. As we'll see, um, when I read out now the uh, the honourable's responses. Okay, now I haven't seen this this response, so this will be interesting. All right, he says, Hello, Brazil Rugby 13. With all due respect, I haven't received any emails or correspondence from you and find your inaccurate and derogatory posts disappointing. I'm a volunteer in this role, and despite having a very busy professional career, do my best to serve member nations. Stop, 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 stop. <laughs> then stand down right now, Troy. If it's too much for you, stand down. Okay, just stand down. You're not doing anyone here any favours. Just stand down. Sorry, continue, Andrew. Um, We're currently planning a time frame to conduct the consultation with nations and confederations regarding the regional championships and World Series, which should be invited. Stop, stop, (laughs) We're planning. (laughs) They're planning to have a plan. This is just that fucking word soup shit. That's all we've got. Now, they're, they're planning a time frame in order to conduct a conversation. Yeah, that's yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> that doesn't we're, mean we're, anything. We're planning a plan to plan a conversation, but not actually to do anything. Look, I bet I bet if you and me could probably do this on this podcast right now, but we won't. Okay, but I bet in five minutes we could have a phone number to call the Brazilian Rugby League, to call the head of the Brazilian Rugby League and talk to them, right? I reckon it wouldn't take us much time at all. Do you reckon that the head of the International Rugby League could have done the same thing? And maybe, it's, and let me guess, he did it on his Twitter? Uh, yeah, this is all on Twitter. Yeah, of course. It's always on his Twitter. Um, instead of tweeting this shit out, what he should have done is picked up the phone and talked to the Brazilian Rugby League in his capacity as the head of the International Rugby League, wouldn't that have been way more reasonable? Well, uh, that would make sense. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry for interrupt, uh, interrupting you, Andrew. Sorry. No, that, that's perfectly fine. Okay. okay. Um, so he said here, uh, what was it? Regarding regional championships and World Series, which you'll be invited to attend and contribute, I hope you take this opportunity to chart the best path forward for Brazil Rugby League and our game no full stop because he doesn't understand how to use punctuation that's fine um he was asked by um paul mack did rugby league world cup 2021 make a profit or not 
and AK-15 also replied to that with, which parts of Brazil's claims are inaccurate? And those have been left unanswered. Of course they have. Isn't um, it funny that how they they were coming out and saying this World Cup is the most successful? It's the most successful. You should see. We're making so much money. so successful. And then when it comes down to it and you say, did it even make a profit? Nothing. And there's only one, one reason they're saying nothing. Like, they're not saying nothing because it made a pound, you know? If it made one pound, they'd say, yeah, it made a profit. Yeah. They're... And that, they'd be singing it from the from the absolute rooftops. They were doing it before the World Cup. I mean, that's always a good time. Before yeah. the money has come in and before the event has been staged to cry about how much money um, you don't have yet, but you think you're going to make... Exactly. Yeah. And it's been done before and it's or every single time that that has happened, the World Cup has lost bucket loads of money. The World Cups that we had that were good that I can't even tell you if they had a big loss or if they if they made a profit or a loss. OK, um, my guess is they probably made a little bit of a loss, but the good World Cups we've had, they there was none of that crowing about them going into it. And, no. But whenever there's crowing, guarantee a loss. I, I'll be honest, okay. I would be surprised if any of the World Cups since 1995, and including 1995, mm-hmm. have turned um, much of a profit if they've made a profit. Yeah, 1995 was really the last. I think you could say genuine World Cup we had where it it occurred in a uh, it was a pu- in a pure sporting sense and it wasn't being run to try and kickstart things again or just to try and not make a giant loss like the 2000 World Cup did and or it was you know trying to overreach in some area like we talked about the last world cup they held down in the southern hemisphere where they had the games all over australia and and you just couldn't follow any of the teams really because it cost too much money and and what a bad idea that was and yet that world cup it was a a million times better than the 2022 world cup in pretty much every aspect absolutely and it was also the first time we had a World Cup where it wasn't the died-in-the-wall nations. Because mm. obviously prior to Papua New Guinea coming along in the 80s, mm-hmm. it was Australia, New Zealand, France, England slash Great Britain, and when it wasn't Great Britain, it was England and Wales. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And then P&G came along in the the weird formats they had in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Where it's just the the last game of every series was also the World Cup game to try and make the third game not be a dead rubber if it was already two 0 in the series, which wasn't a bad idea. And you just had at the end of the three year period, the the top two teams on the on the ladder, they played the final somewhere. So there was no big World Cup tournament. It was just the World Cup final was played. Yeah. Um. But then yeah, that went to a massive thing in '95. Um. So, yeah, I don't think there's been too much money made out of World Cups from the 1995 on onwards. Yeah. 
Um, so it's I'm always really, really um, concerned whenever anybody comes out and says this World Cup's going to make this much money because I go, is it though? Yeah, and I, I think I always look towards the 2008 World Cup because that was a picking up the pieces moment for the international game. And it was the first time it was willing to, you know, after that 2000 World Cup to go eight years and then you're putting on another World Cup. It was a it was a brave moment for the game in a way. And they didn't push the concept too far. They didn't make any outlandish statements about profits or anything like that. They just put on a World Cup and let it happen. And, you know, the res- I mean, we saw the results. We all, we all remember the 2008 World Cup. I think it's p- probably the best World Cup I've seen in terms of memorable moments. And, you know, obviously Australia losing the World Cup final is going to be memorable. But... Uh, I still think that's probably the standard we'd all love to go back to, to a certain extent. And, you know, the World Cup since then, they haven't been ideal, but they've been all right. And they're not all going to be winners. Some of them are, are going to be so-so. But then we hit the last World Cup, which which was, I mean, you could say it was a slow-motion car crash. Oh, absolutely. It was an absolute mess. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I don't know. I think given Brazil has they've shown their hand here, okay, they're willing to 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 play this out on social media. Yeah, credit to them. I've got no issue with them doing that. If um, anyone in the IRL, Troy Green included, wanted to do something to rectify this issue, they should be getting on the phone straight away and say, look. How's about we find a way to resolve this as quickly as possible and stop this drama going on on social media because it's not working out best for anybody. You can you can frame the conversation to say how it's going to look bad for Brazil Rugby League as well if you want to try and find a way to convince them to have a private conversation about it and try and get the ball rolling. Because mm-hmm. essentially, that's what Brazil Rugby League wants. They just want something done so that they know what they're doing. Um, so I think... The worst thing that's happened here, irrespective of whether Troy Grant has said the right thing, the wrong thing, is irrelevant. He should not have done this on social media. Yeah. You've, you've got their email address. Hell, I've got their email address because I went to the International Rugby League website and found it straight away. So you know you've got their email address and you should have their phone number. Ring someone, email someone and say, let's start, let's start talking now and resolve this here. Let's not do this on Twitter. And he's decided to go down this path instead, which is he's walking into the lion's den. Yeah, he is. And he's going to get ripped apart by a fuck ton of lions called rugby league fans. (laughs) Yeah, who are armed with a lot of of, uh, results in terms of the international game falling apart, Mm -hmm. you know, and and ask, I mean, asking a simple question like, did we make a profit or not? You can't ignore that forever. And the thing you would hope is that if this current administration doesn't want to answer those questions, the next one is probably going to, okay? And if the game made a profit, they will take 
um, credit for it, the next administration that comes along. If there's a loss, they will announce it and they will put it on this current administration. Absolutely. So, you know, there are questions that need to be answered. He needs to do his job. And if he doesn't want to do his job, then don't wait for a date. You stand down now. I don't want to have to put... I don't want to have to put the challenge out there that I will talk with the Brazilian Rugby League before Troy Grant will. I really want to, man. I really I, want to. I swear we could get one of them on the podcast next week if we wanted to. Mate, I... But but he's got to go to fucking Singapore and do his other shit first. And look, here's the other thing, okay? Running the international game should not be a voluntary job. And you shouldn't be doing it while you're working as a professional somewhere else. Yeah, it makes no sense. Which other international sporting board has a volunteer running the show and working full time elsewhere? How much disdain and um, lack of absolute interest must the game have for itself if they're not even willing to appoint someone to a full time role to do this? Because I mean, it fucking shows too. They can't be bothered to do anything because oh, we're all too busy. Busy doing what? Non-rugby league stuff. That's what. Well, you know, remember, so why are you running the game then? Exactly. Remember we had, uh, I can't remember his name, but the, the dude that was the head of the ARL commission for a while and then he moved into the role. Oh, that uh, former politician. Yeah. Uh, from Peter Beattie. Peter, well, Peter Beatty, but there was also a guy before him as well. Oh, Do you remember yes, him? Yes, I know of that guy. Bearded guy. Yeah. John Grant? John, was it John Grant? I think it was John Grant. Okay. So we were both critical of their roles in the game. I don't think Peter Beatty actually did anything no, at no. all. Well, he did something he did in the ARLC. He wandered about and was fucking useless. Yeah. And Pretended like he was joking every time he had, had a fucking gaff. Yeah. Oh, and, and he's then, just joking around going, yeah, yeah, how's about you don't make a fucking joke of the game and do your fucking job, you peanut? Exactly. Um, and then John Grant had a little bit to do with the international game, but it wasn't a great deal. And it was easy to be critical of what he did. It, I would take John Grant a million times over compared to what we've got now. And that's well, yeah. something. Like, we've seen some terrible international administrators. We've seen some people that have just been full of self-interest. We've seen some people that have focused on, like, literally one or two nations and haven't cared about the rest of the rugby league playing world. I would take all of those over the current international administration. Yeah, anything. Just, anything. You, you don't need to have a huge organisation either. No. Just have one person at least who is running the uh, the game, the international game, on a full time basis, and you don't need to pay them a fuck ton of money. Don't don't do that because you'll just attract people who want to go there for the money and do nothing. Yeah. Right. But you also don't pay them absolute peanuts because I'll go well. Fuck it. Why would I put in any hard work there? You know, I need to survive as well. You got to get that balance right. Okay. But don't be giving people in that role fucking 500,000 pounds or any shit like that. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I um, would like to know, they went to Singapore and they held a meeting. Yeah, and I'd they like come to know out, 
why to start with. Yeah. Like, what's, what's wrong with the tables in front of the vending machine? It was good for years. Exactly. It, it didn't let the game down. <laughs> but not only that, like if you have an international rugby league meeting and you come out of that meeting and there are international rugby league federations around the world that don't know what happened, the meeting was a failure. Well, that's, I mean, why would you? It's absolutely nuts. Going to Singapore where there's not a team representing that nation. Yeah. Internationally. Why go there? Look, take, take it somewhere where um, you don't need to take it anywhere. Fuck it. Just have, go to your fucking office, wherever it is in the back of some mechanics body workshop somewhere. Right. Just say, hey, guys, can you down tools for half an hour? We just need to have a few chats. Mm. Just fire up the old Skype and do a, or Zoom, whatever you want to use, and say, everybody, can you just dial in now and we'll have this chat on here like this and then you save yourself all that accommodation, all those airfares, all that bullshit. Because that's money that could have been put into the game, not into yeah. some junket for a bunch of people. Yeah, exactly. Where exactly. they achieved nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing they basically at came out and they basically came out and said, right, NRL, what would you like for the international calendar to be? And they're all went, Oh, let's have this, this and this and going, Okay, that's now the international calendar. Pretty much, hey, and like you can be – at least the fucking NRL puts on International Rugby League, hey? Like, there's plenty of people that get on the NRL's case for their commitment to International Rugby League. At least they put on fucking International Rugby League events, you know? Well, look, four days ago, the Malta Rugby League Association announced their international program for 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, not the International Rugby League. Malta's Rugby League Association, they've gone, well, we're going to organise our own games. They're going, so now we're back to what we used to have. Yeah, pretty much where everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. There's no plan. Um, there's no support, which is the big thing. Uh, there's there's nothing you can go to a sponsor and say, this is our goal. You know, we're trying to get into a World Cup. We're trying to get into the Emerging Nations World Cup. We are, we are qualifying for the World Nines. Like, none of that. I think the thing about the World Nines that Brazil brought up was really, really important because the World Nines was supposed to be, like, really important to the game. And it just, it was played once. I thought it was really good. I don't know if it made a profit or not. But I, and I went both days. It was at Parramatta Stadium. The crowds were pretty damn good. It was a pretty damn good event. The only criticism I would have had is that the, the, the uh, break between the finals games was too long. Like they needed to condense those breaks between all the games. Um, but you know, that's a, that's a very easy thing to sort out. You can sort that out. But outside of that, I thought it was a really good event and it just disappeared. And I kind of bought into the whole concept of it and seeing all these different nations and seeing them in a different rugby league environment to the full game and it was great and it just disappeared and it's like like why would you try why would you talk about building something and actually put it on and it's a good thing and then it just goes and like there's no impetus to get it keep it going even if it's even if australia is not there like i don't need australia to be there you know i don't need new zealand i, I if it was 
just the emerging nations nines or the big star of the nines was like PNG or Samara or something, I would be as geared up for it. You know, I wasn't going to support Australia so much and I, I was, but it wasn't like I was there just for Australia. I was there to see it all and it just disappeared. Um, a question about the nines. Yeah. Was that uh, organised and run by the NRL or by the International Rugby League? I can't remember. I can't quite remember. Because I reckon there's a, a large reason why, if, if it was the NRL, I reckon a large reason why it hasn't continued is because the NRL said, well, we've got the, we got the ball rolling. Mm. Your turn, IRL. And I was going, yeah. oh, we don't want to. Yeah. Well, that, look, that's part of why I wonder if the way forward for International Rugby League is to have the NRL running it. And I know that horrifies some people, but as I said, they put on the events. Like, if they say they're going to they're gonna do something, they will do it. And, you know, they've got the sponsorship, they've got the infrastructure, they've got the administrators who are all professionals, they've got links to the broadcasters, they've got links to the everyone, you know. Um, there's a lot of wheels that get greased by the NRL and they could do the same thing at international level. And at the very least, they'd be able to provide something, some sort of support for international emerging nations. And like, would it be worse than what we've got now? I guess is the thing. I'll say this. Okay. The, the, the one thing that you need an international governing body for is to set out the <clears throat> I'm not joking anymore, okay. Set out an actual calendar mm-hmm. of which official games need to be played because these official games will impact the ranking system and the ranking system is going to be the one and only guide to determine who makes the World Cup. That mm-hmm. needs to be the system that's in place. The current one is not doing that and it's not working. But that's how it should be. Okay. So if they came out and said, right, here's the games that need to be played in the next four years, if they then pass that off to the NRL and said, you organise it, mm. that would work fine. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, at the moment, when you've got pe- countries like Malta going out and saying, right, well, we're sick of waiting, so we're just going to organise a bunch of games. Mm. We're going back to what we used to have, where the IRL will say, well, we don't recognise that game because we didn't organise it and we didn't recognise this game and they've played all these games that don't matter, that have cost Malta and their opponents money for zero purpose and the games don't have any impact on anything anywhere. They're just wasting their time. Mm -hmm. And this is going to sound a little bit more selfish, but from a record-keeping perspective, it's an absolute fucking mess to deal with. Um, Yeah. And look, I'll say this because it's now on the International Rugby League uh, website i have i am a member of the history and heritage um, group on there so we've had to go through every single international game that was ever played and determine which ones satisfy the um new definition of what an international rugby league game is and what that meant was several hundred extra games got added into being classified as senior international matches they don't call them test matches anymore mm-hmm. um there's articles you can go find about it, okay? They still allow countries like Australia, New Zealand, Great Britain and France to refer to them as tests, but officially they're just called senior international matches. Yeah. Um, and I think you and me do that just 
like as we're talking, like we'll say, oh, it'd be nice if we played test matches again. Yeah, <laughs> I was well, going to say country, but well, that's right. Well, see, it's just the thing. It's um, it's part of rugby league vernacular. So yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, it's going to happen. But yeah, that's the official thing there. Yeah. Uh, but part of the problem we had was that getting from you know 1904 through till 1990. It didn't take that long at all because we're basically dealing with the same few nations the whole way through and just determining which ones were legit games or not. Mm-hmm. And then once the 90s turn up and all these teams from, you know, the Americas, Japan, Russia, um, and then when we got to the mid-90s, late 90s, you had Lebanon, um, Malta, countries like that start coming in. Then the 2000s and Europe exploded with rugby league everywhere. Trying to pull apart which games were legit, which ones should have counted, which ones weren't. A lot of it came down to the fact that some games ended up having, um, like there were exhibition games, not that anyone knew, yeah. but they, the actual teams hosting it called it a test. But then when you look down, they either played 35-minute halves or they had, you know, six men on the bench, something like that. And we just say, well, we can't have that because that doesn't fit the the ironclad rule of 40-minute halves and 70 players maximum on the field. Yeah. And that became what the major goal line was. And, and that's... That's not a criticism of those games either. Like, that's just trying to set a minimum standard that you can you can carry forward as well. So, like, if you and I'm just, I'm just talking on Andrew's behalf, I wasn't involved in any of these people that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if if you allow games that are 35 minute halves, um, then you've got to allow the games going forward that are 35-minute halves. If you don't have 17 plays, you've got to allow those games going forward. And what you guys were trying to do is set that minimum standard. That's the cutoff going from behind and going forward. And, you know, it didn't delegitimize those games that emerging nations might have played that, you know, they had 16 plays because that's all they had. But the international standard for a senior men's game or a senior game had to be that 80 minutes, 17 players and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, oh, look, if they use, if they only had 16 players, that's still official. But it had to be, like, there was a lot of games where they had up to, you know, six, seven guys on the bench, all who, yeah. all who played. Yeah. So those had to be stricken from the record. We needed to make sure that teams were playing, every team that was playing a game that mattered, 40-minute halves as, you know, standard. Yeah. And no more than four people on the bench. Yeah. Um, that was basically it. Uh, so that was just for stuff in the past. And by having that lockdown, it meant that we could try and get all these nations to stop playing these games that didn't matter. Stop playing 35 minute half. Stop playing with seven guys on the bench because you're not helping yourself. You're playing a shortened version and you're having extra players come on the field. So you're not helping yourself. You're, you're making the game easier. It's yeah. like doing push-ups with your knees on the ground. Yeah. Right, so we need everyone doing the same thing, so we can all move at the same direction, at the, you know, doing the same thing the whole way through. It's the only way we can get a proper measure if everyone's playing the same way. Um, so that's that's why that was in place. Um, but the problem we've got now is if we get, start getting these uh, emerging nations start organising their own games again, we go back to this mess of the past, and we don't know which is official, which isn't, and then yeah. you don't know which ones to include on the. And this is the worst thing is if Malta comes along and they beat Serbia, and Serbia's yeah. ranked 10th in the world at the moment, but, you know, Malta's used five blokes on the bench. Yeah. Wrongly. Well, that, that 
game gets stricken from the record. And that's a big win for Malta that they've now just lost. So they've just wasted their time. Yeah, and, and the other thing is, like, I I don't blame Malta. If I was Malta, I would, I would be like, stuff this, let's just no, get on with absolutely. it and do our thing, you know? It's like, it's not a criticism of emerging nations. It's a criticism of the International Rugby League who has given these nations, they've given them nothing. And so these nations are going to start doing, you know, they're going to start trying to put together their own events and they're going to start putting together their own, you know, calling them tours is is probably a bit much, but these away games is probably a better way to put it. And, you know, they're doing their, they're doing their best. So you're going to get to a point where, it, 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 there's weird things that, that like come out with these emerging nations games. Like sometimes they've got a a schedule that is so tight that they've got to keep to, or they're playing at a ground that is not an official standard ground, like just for the size of it, and th- just weird things like that. And because they're doing their best, they you know, and they go out and they play a game, and it's better than them not playing a game. Um. But the the thing is, if you set those standards for the nations, they can at least aim for them, you know. And right now, the International Rugby League is giving no support. They're giving no guidance. And these emerging nations that they are, they're just going to say, well, we'll just get on with it. Because it's not like they got much support out of the International Rugby League anyway. No. Um, So the Malta schedule, it's... It's in the northern and southern hemisphere between September and October. Uh-huh. So they'll go from they'll travel to Montenegro on the 16th of September, um, and they'll play a game there. They'll then be back in Malta to play Bulgaria, which will be the week after. Yeah. And then on the 21st of October, so a month, one month later, they'll head to Foreshore Park, which I believe is in Slovenia. Right. Just have a look. Okay. Yeah, it's in Sylvania Waters in Sydney. Um, so they'll be going to Foreshore Park where they'll play Chile on October 21, which is a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And then the week after that, on October 28, they'll be at Cabramatta Stadium to play the Philippines. And then that's they head a, back. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really amazing. Um, the game at Cabramatta Stadium is the doubleheader. I don't know who's in the other game, though. Um, okay. So... <laughs> If you're around Sydney on the 20th of October, go to Cabramatta Stadium. You'll get to see two international games, I'd imagine. I've always found Maltese people to be the nicest people on planet Earth, eh? Well, they're obviously very organised as well. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they really are. Maybe but, the Malta Rugby League could run the International Rugby League. Would they do any worse? Well, they're organising games in the Northern and Southern Hemisphere. What else yeah, have they got to do? Exactly, exactly. And they're looking, they're looking after emerging nations. Yeah. While also taking games to Australia. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> you know, right now, they're some of the few international games that are scheduled in Australia for rugby league. How crazy is that? Yeah. I mean, they're taking games to Montenegro, a new nation in rugby league. Yeah. Um, so pretty sure I'm going off a hazy memory here. Jean, Jean-Pierre Zab, I think... Well, I know he used to play um, as a front row for Malta. I'm pretty sure he's now running Malta Rugby League. Okay. Maybe I hope it is him because if it is, I endorse him to be the new head of the International Rugby League. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Done. Sorted. We've got that figured out. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of um, 
scheduling games. Should are we ready to move on from the international rugby league? Yeah, yeah. we've we've done. Okay, speaking we've of that, smashed them into a pulp. We have, uh, with some help from Brazil, of course. Absolutely. Well, I mean, they did the heavy lifting. We just sort of pushed the pushed the cart further down the hill. True. True. <laughs> um, the NRL announced officially that they're taking two games to Las Vegas next year. And the game, I can't remember who they're between, but the team's going to Brisbane, South Sydney, the Roosters, and Manly. And this is going to generate just so much money for the NRL in gambling. And it's going to be great for the game overall. And I uh, just can't wait. It's going to have the same impact, I think, that the the 1987 State of Origin match had in California. I just think it's going to really leave a legacy for rugby league over there. I put it up there with that game that I think it was mainly played against the Roosters in Japan in the mid nineties. Yeah. Ooh. It, is it is it close to the impact that the game between New Zealand and England had in Denver? Oh well, that that's another that's on another level. That's got yeah. to be the peak. Peak I mean, that, expansionism right there. Yeah, that was a that was playing at altitude so that England was ready for the World Cup, which was on months later. Yeah, and they did they win? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Good old England. Yeah. Um They're good for a laugh. Yeah, they are. I've I've seen quite honestly, especially out of the media. So much PVL dick riding out of this. Oh, haven't they? They've, they? They stopped doing it for a little bit. And I thought, oh, maybe everyone's just settled down and they've gone, you know, like they haven't stopped being pro-PVL. Yeah. But they just, they simmered down. They calmed down a little bit. Yeah. And I thought, well, I can handle this level of, you know, dick sucking that they're doing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this this Las Vegas stuff started up. And I've just gone, oh, my God. Because all I hear out of all of this is PVL's going over there without a lick of interest whatsoever about rugby league. It's all about his horse racing and gambling and shit that he's going to get organised and set up. Yeah, that's all I I think it's about, too. That's Um, all I... I, Because if you're in in the United States, guess what? You can bet on the NRL right now. mm. Like, you (laughs) Right now. Yeah. It's not starting something. For the, the the thing that he should be getting into that is less regulated than gambling in the USA is um, fantasy sports. Yeah. So I don't know if anyone's ever seen it. Things like, um, oh, what is it? Yeah, you, you go in there and you can select your team and they get points and whoever's got the highest score at the end of every uh, round get some cash prize draft kings yeah for example stuff like that um those those websites and those uh that sector of the gambling market is not real big in australia it barely exists but in the u.s fucking massive yeah um i think it might be DraftKings. they've got some stuff over there with the nfl and the nba where every week i'm sure of it nearly every week they make someone a millionaire. Yeah. So your top prize is a million dollars. Um, so that's 
that's where the money is, and that's where their gam- that's where their gamblers are. Their gamblers aren't Australian gamblers where they sit there and just put the bets on the TAB and wait for the result. No, 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 no. They're, they're playing actual fantasy sports, and then that's where they're making their money out of it. Um, that's the industry I'd be looking at. I just think if, and I, I tweeted about this today, like there were people saying, oh, there's $100 million to be made out of the gambling sector in the US. And if that is the case, let's start three US-based teams tomorrow. Because yeah, where, would you, where would you put them? If it was me, and mm. it is, like if we're doing it realistically, yep. and we know that this is a stretch, but the money is too good to not service this market that apparently is there, then I would have one in Honolulu, as I've talked about. Mm-hmm. I would have one in... I would have one in Los Angeles. I want to say one in uh, San Francisco, but I think that just the living expenses there would be too high. So I, maybe you'd go San Diego, but I don't know um, if the how, how the travel would go. I, I, I doubt that there's direct flights from San Diego to Sydney. Um, maybe there's direct flights flights from San Diego to uh, Honolulu, though, and then you could travel on from Honolulu to your destinations in Australia and then New Zealand. But um, they'd all be, they'd all have to be uh, West Coast. I guess you probably could, like I know there's direct flights from Sydney to Dallas. That would be another option. Uh, and if you you know if you're going that distance, you could probably get a Las Vegas team in there. Um, you know, if you wanted to as well. But, you know, if the money's there, like if we've got $100 million on the table every year in a country, expand there and sort out the the uh, the drawer of the NRL so that we've got enough travel times for teams to do the travel. And it, it's huge. It would be massive. But if the money isn't really there, then it's all a waste of time. And yeah. which, so which one is it? Is the money there or is the money not there? Because if the money's there, we do it. And if the money's not there, then it's all just pie in the sky bullshit. Yeah. And the way you do it is you'd have, you, you can't have one team because that is very expensive because that team's either got to, well, basically all the NRL teams have got to come over separately. And that one team over there's got to come over to Australia and back and forth. Yeah. If you've got three or four teams there, you can send over, say, three or four NRL teams in one go, and they can play all those teams over there in, in that cycle. Then they all come back, and they can play all a bunch of games here, and the, in this, you know, the US teams can come all over here together and play a bunch of games in that cycle. And you're cutting down the number of backwards and forwards. It's going to be a bit of it, obviously. But instead of having, you know, 18, 20, 22 journeys backwards and forwards all the time, you might be able to cut it back to about 8, 9, 10, something like that. Mm. That's still annoying but it's that's the more logical way of doing it but the more teams you got in that um u.s area i'd even be considering putting a team in canada they, you don't even have to put them on the nrl just have them as a i don't know maybe a two division thing or something like that but i i think the the thing i think you'd run into problems with canada is the the extra travel like the travel to get across to the uh, U.S. West Coast 
or Dallas is pretty far, but then you would have to travel on up to Canada, uh, which I think, and it'd have to be Vancouver. It'd have to be, it'd have to be West Coast. Um, but, and this is like, we're only talking about this in the sense of if there's a hundred million dollars to be made, let's spend $36 million and put three teams there and we're still making all this profit. But that's only if the money is actually there. And I question if it's actually there. Yeah, I doubt it will be. No. It just, I can't say it would be. I I agree. I think this, it seems like, it seems like a bit of a junket that works better for another industry that is heavily, in fact, totally exclusively reliant on gambling revenue and the head of that industry would be really happy to get some some claws into the Las Vegas market. And they just, they just happen to be the head of the ARL as well. Yeah, just just by chance. Yeah, yeah. Just just by chance. Who who would have thought? I know, right? Um now on on different news, still speaking about big money though. Mm-hmm. Um we we might be getting paid Hassel as a new host. Not anymore. The door's closed. No, no, no. I'm, I'm waiting for his manager to get in touch with me. <laughs> well, we're keen, right? Mate. Payne or his manager needs to get in touch with us, but we're keen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've contacted the International Podcasting Federation, mm-hmm. and we've told them, you know, we want Payne Haas on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as we're concerned, that's pretty much all we need to do. Yeah. It's basically a foregone conclusion at this stage. Yeah, pretty much. Just sit back, put your feet up and wait, hey? Yeah. I mean, what else do you have to do? Yeah. So We don't do, I, we don't do paperwork these days. No. Are we in a paperless existence now? It's all about just saying things. It's yeah. like, remember, remember that episode of The Office where Michael comes out and he yells, I declare bankruptcy, and they've got to tell him, you, it's, when you declare bankruptcy, you don't just say it. It's a process. <laughs> That's right. But in, in Australian media, with the way some sport works, they just do that, I declare bankruptcy, and that's it. Yeah. And then walk away, like hands in the air. I've done yeah. my bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly the same way. So, so are, pain, you, are, you saying that, are you saying it's not possible anymore? I'm saying it's not possible. I, I would say it is less possible that we get Payne Haas than Payne Haas plays rugby union for the Western Force. <laughs> Especially considering that Payne Haas has re-signed with the Brisbane Broncos going forward to through to the end of 2026. He will earn, I think I saw $3.6 million over that time period, which is great. And the thing I like about it is that it upsets all the journalists. They get very fucking angry when football players make money playing football. It's great. Oh, no. I know they were all absolutely adamant that when... Tino and Fafita both signed on to stay at the Titans um, in the last week for big money. Um, they were all adamant that, oh, well, that means that Haas would be looking for more money than what those folks got paid and Brisbane would be able to afford him. And then Brisbane went and signed him for the same price as the other two guys. Yeah, yeah. So good work, journos. <laughs> you fucking nailed uh, that one. That contract uh, that Big Tino signed for is a $10 million deal. Takes him from the age of 23 to 33. Um, it's the Tom Lolo deal. 
Yeah, pretty much. Hey, pretty much. I think he was a, he's a little bit older than Tomalolo was when he signed his deal. Oh, yeah. I think he's two years, two or three years older. Yeah, but I, I think it's uh, there are a few players in the league that you would give a deal like that to, and it's interesting. It goes to forwards, and, but I, I think that that's I think for for Tino, he's I, look, he's one of the top five players in the game. He's just amazing. Oh, and that, the fact that is that a brilliant wants, signing by the Titans. Sorry? That's a brilliant signing by the Titans. It really is, yeah, yeah. And and the fact that he wants to be a Titan is just amazing in itself. So yeah. oh, I had no problems with it. I thought it was a really good bit of business on, on his behalf, locking it in, and the Titans' behalf. Yeah. It's not very often you get to say they've made a great signing, but they have, they have there. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't understand for feeder. I thought no. Fafita is, we talked about this, if you get out of the Fafita business because it just isn't worth it. No, you. if the Titans wanted to keep him, they shouldn't have paid him as much as like a million dollars a year. It should have been less than a million. Yeah. I don't think he's done enough consistency-wise to be drawing that much cash. Yeah, I agree. It, like he will do one or two, two things in a game in attack that are just no one else can really do as a forward. Yeah. But the rest of the game, he is a non-event. And he's, you're like, where, where did he go? Is he off? Yeah. Or he's a liability in defense. That's the other thing. Yeah. He, he really does need um, I'd I'd like to see him get some one-on-one coaching from Mick Potter. Mick Potter has quite a record with fixing teams defensively. Um, and I'd like to see him work with Fafita on that aspect of his game because I reckon Potter would do a fair, bit of, um, a fair bit of good improvements to him. Potter would be a good coach for the Bulldogs, hey? He would, he would. But, uh, I mean, the Bulldogs seem pretty happy with what they've got at the moment. Yeah. Speaking of the Dogs. Yes. I, I, I found a stat. Um, all of the Bulldogs' last five losses... Uh, which is over the last seven games, has seen their opponents score at least 42 points. And over their last 10 NRL games, the Bulldogs have conceded 53 points more than the last place Tigers. Wow. Now, consider that the Bulldogs have actually had three wins from their last 10 games and the Tigers have had 10 losses. Mm-hmm. And that's the Bulldogs have conceded 375 points in their last 10 games. That's crazy. That's fucking wrong. Yeah. Um, it made me wonder, even though they've had those three wins, are they the worst team in the NRL at the moment? Because as much as the yeah. as much as the West Tigers do not look like winning, yeah. Only a few times this year have they looked like they're going to get absolutely fucking flogged. They they never look like winning, but the Bulldogs look like they will leak tries. Regularly, every week, they do. Although I got to say, with the with the West Tigers, like I feel as though with the West Tigers, you know, in the first fifteen minutes, like, but it takes those fifteen minutes, you know, of the day when you wake up <laughs> before they've started playing. Those <laughs> fifteen minutes are over by six fifteen. Um, yeah, but no, I, I think that the you. You watch them in that first 15 minutes of the game, you can tell if they're going to lose by a little bit or lose by a lot. Um, they'll try. They're just not very good. 
and unfortunately most of them aren't very good. Uh, I think with the Bulldogs, like if you lined up the two, if you put the two lineups side by side, the Bulldogs are so far ahead of the West Tigers, it's not funny. Yeah. But I think it goes back to something we have talked about on this podcast before, where when you allow your team to just completely bottom out, even when you bring in new talent from outside, that is world world's best talent in some instances, it's hard to get rid of that disease of losing. And I wrote about this on my website this week, actually, um, about, you know, the NRL can't really allow us to have a situation where in a salary cap controlled era with full-time professionalism, we've had the Bulldogs, the West Tigers, and uh, who's the other team had the Bulldogs? Uh, Newcastle Knights, Knights yeah. have all historically bottomed out. And not for a season or two, like for basically just about a decade each, you know. Um, and you, if you line that up against, say, the Broncos, who historically bottomed out for one year, but then have shown they've bounced back already. And so there's something different going on at, at the Bulldogs, the Knights, and um, and the West Tigers. The Knights look like maybe they're finally getting out of it, but, man, it's been a long, long time, and, and we can't let this happen. In, and what does the NRL do to avoid that happening going forward? And the, the answer is I don't really know because it's so complex. They need to come out and say, right, West Tigers, pick a home ground, and that's where you're staying for the next 10 years. One home ground. Yeah. That's it. And but so then, here's, like, here's the clue. The venue has to be at no more than 40 years old <laughs> it has to, has to have been a ground that hasn't been in use since world war ii yeah yeah that would that would be good mm, mm. has to be a ground where white ants haven't been yet <laughs> we ha- there has to be a ground where the words condemned are not in use like currently yeah, yeah. it has to be a ground where when you go and play there on a Sunday, it doesn't automatically lead to feel good having a fucking orgasm. Yes, definitely. Yeah, because yeah. we it don't need that be, in rugby league. It has to be a ground where one of the main features isn't a tree. <laughs> it has to be a ground that has flushing toilets. It has to be a ground where it has, one side of the ground has individual seating. It's not benches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Your draw card can't be. You, you, yeah, you, it has to be ground where the draw card can't be your picnic. Yes. Yes. It has to be a ground where a dozen rugby union fans weren't nearly killed by fence. Oh, well, that's not so bad. <laughs> well, maybe we can have that as a feature. Huh? Come on. It's got some endearing features. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. But yeah, we get the the general idea of it. Yeah. Um, should I go through some more footy stats? Given that I've just pumped that one out. Yeah, hit I, me with some. I, I smashed out a ton of stats in the last two days. I saw. I saw. Mm. Well, we well, had some. Time, of... You had time to do all these footy stats when you weren't wishing me a happy birthday. So that's right. I was sitting there going, I could do happy birthday, or I could look up some of the most inane statistics mm. possible that I don't want to do. But by doing it, I don't have to say anything to Freaky at all. 
Could could do I send this text? I've already got it typed out. No, I'm doing some stats. <laughs> typed out. I looked at my phone and went, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. (laughs) What do we got here? Let's see. Um, Last weekend was the first time the Tigers had scored 20 or more points in a game since their last win, which was when they beat the Cowboys 66-18. Wow. The last time a Tim Sheen's coach side had a win over a Wayne Bennett Brisbane-based club was round 21-2006. Wow, that's a good one. I like that one. Um, Penrith have their last have won their last four games against the Titans, which is the third time they've done this. If they win though this weekend by a scoreline of forty to ten, they will equal their run of five straight wins against the first Gold Coast side. That was from nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety two, and they'll also equal the points scored and points conceded as well. Oh wow, that's really cool. That, that's a pretty interesting one. Mine's up um, interesting, yeah. The Knights have won their last six NRL games. When was the last time they won seven straight games in a season? See if let, you know. Let me think. Seven straight games in a yep. season. I'm going to... Oh, man. I am going to say... Let me think. I'm going to say... 19... No, it's after that. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay, seven straight. Okay, I'm going to say... I'm going to say 2000. 2001. Ah, I was going to avoid 2001 because <laughs> I thought it wouldn't be in their premiership season. There you go. Um, and lastly, the Raiders' average winning margin this year is 4.75 points per game. Mm-hmm. And the average losing margin is 19.7. <laughs> Like, they either grind out a tight one or they just get fucked. They're quietly putting together the weirdest, the, like the the weirdest season in terms of the stats that they put out do not line up with what their win-loss record is. No, and at the moment to come to this time of the year, we're into the last, was it three rounds? Yeah. And they are the one team in the top eight shitting themselves harder than everybody else because their points difference is atrocious. Yeah. And if they end up on the same points as any other team that's currently outside the eight, they're out. Yeah. And it's purely because of that. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be absolutely shitting bricks this whole time. Uh, they're not going to make that fourth place, which sucks. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Well, no, no, they can't do it. Unless, who have they got coming up? They can probably pull out a few smack big wins. The Bulldogs, the Broncos, and the Sharks. Well, there goes that. Yeah. I need to put about 200 on the Bulldogs this week. Yeah, and you're only going to get 70 on the Bulldogs at most. Yeah, well, and given that the the Raiders are only averaging a win of 4.5, that means that game's going to be 70 <laughs> to 66. Kind of defeats the purpose, really, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't really help. It's not helping. Um, what else have I got on here stats-wise? I did the whole stuff about um, last week we we were told that the... Raiders' run of consecutive games where they scored at least one try came to an end. Yep. That was after they reached the 252 games, which was the record. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, 
So I got a list of all of the occasions where a team had gone 100 games or more of consistently scoring at least one try in a game. Yeah. There's only been four occasions where teams have made it to 200 games. Okay, what were they? I'm guessing that it's all, is it all modern era? It is, yes. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. So 252 by Canberra, which was from 2013 till last week. Yep. 221 for the Cowboys, 2012 to 2020. That's surprising. 2019, the Dragons, 2000 to 2008. Wow, that's good. 206 for the Raiders, 1990 to 99. Okay. 187 games for Penrith, 1999 to 2006. That's surprising. I didn't know Very that. Very much. Uh, 178 for the Roosters, 2000 to 06. The best Melbourne Storm run, 157 games, was from 1998 to 2003. Oh, that's interesting. It's earlier than I thought it would have been. Yeah. Um, Manly, 152 games, 2013 to 2019. Mm-hmm. Um 141 for the Warriors, 2010 to 15. 133 for the Sharks, 2016 to 21. Um, there's a bunch more. Let's see if there's any on here that are further back prior to the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, 119 for South from 1949 to 55. That's impressive. Mm. Uh, here's what's even more impressive. 106 games also for South, 1916 to 24. Wow, that's fucking amazing. And the current longest streak now currently belongs to the Dragons with 85 games. Wow, that's crazy. No one saw that one coming. No. Um, So then someone asked, what's the longest streak between um, nil scores? Mm -hmm. Would you like to hazard a guess at which team's got the top honour there? I I don't know why, but I feel super confident about this. All right. And I don't know why. Titans. No. Okay, I'm wrong. I'll tell you the years that they did it, okay? Okay. It was between the years 1943 to 1970. That's how long the streak went. 1943 to 1970. Yep. Not one nil score in that period. Oh, man. Uh <laughs> I'll make it worse for you. Yeah. They did not win a single premiership in that time. North Sydney. Yep. That's such a North Sydney thing to do, isn't it? 488 games. That's pretty crazy. Uh, second on the list, 361 games. Canberra, 1987 to 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, 353 for the Bulldogs, 55 to 73. Mm-hmm. 330 for the for South, 57 to 73. 319 for the Dragons, 53 to 68. 318 for the Dragons, 76 to 88. 317 for the Magpies, 1919 to 1942. Wow. <laughs> and then there's the Roosters of 1994 to 2006, had 311 games. And the longest current streak between nil scores, uh, is the Raiders, with 266 games from 2013 to 2023. This year, that Raiders team went past 250 games. There's only one other team that's done that, and that was Penrith from 1972 to 83. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that surprised the hell out of me. Yeah, because they sucked. 
they were atrocious. Um, they, were ter- they were probably. I mean, is there like worst eras ever? I know in the early days there's some like shockers, but that Penrith team like gets a mention with them, which is how bad they were. Yeah, they they struggled to do anything at all competitive in that whole period there. Um, let's have a look. What was it? 72 to 83. 72, 11th, 73, Spoon, 74, 9th. This is out of 12 teams. <laughs> 75, second last, 76, 9th. 77, 78, 79, 10th. 1980, Wooden Spoon, 81, 10th. 82, la, uh, 12th out of 13 teams. And 1983, 10th. And uh, 85 was their first finals, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were terrible. Imagine if we brought in, like, it would be like the Dolphins not making the finals until, like, what, like the 2040s or something. Just about. Uh, yeah. Oh, the 2038s yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyone else on this impressive? Let's see. Um, Balmain had 202 games from 1929 to 1943. That's impressive. Um, so, yeah, that, that was another good one that I found. What was the other one? Oh, yeah, teams that had um, had scored 100 points against the same side in consecutive games in the same season because mm-hmm. that came up with Newcastle against the Bulldogs last weekend. Yeah, so, that, like, complete domination in the two games in one season of another team, basically. That's right, yeah. So someone said was... Was the Bulldogs won the record? Because that was, um, sorry, the Knights won. That was Newcastle was a total score of 108 to 6. Yeah. And the answer is no. It's been beaten a few times. Now, off the top of my head, mm-hmm. um, I, like straight away I start thinking about the the Roosters versus the Berries. Yes. Yeah. That's comfortably that, the highest. Yeah, I thought it might have been. <laughs> and so that's the, not like a stretch. <laughs> No, so as I said, the Knights one that just happened was 108 to 6. Yep. In 1935, the Roosters beat the Bulldogs 152 to 17. Um, St. George in the same year also beat the Bulldogs 125 to 12. Mm-hmm. In 2020, the Roosters beat Brisbane 117 to 12. Mm-hmm. 2006, Warriors beat South 112 14. 2016, Raiders over the Tigers 112 16. 1973, Manly beat Penrith, 111 to 12. Mm-hmm. 1935, Roosters beat the Bears, 110 to 24. In 2008, Canberra beat the Bulldogs, 110 to 52. And in 1920, Bowman beat Uni, 109 to 15. Far out, eh? But, mm-hmm. but, if we go over to England, oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> go for it. Do you know which team I'm looking at? Um, so it's, it's only two games, yeah? Yep, only two games. Oh, let me think. Would it be? And it's in the top grade? Not in the top grade, no. Oh. In League One. League One. So third division. I'm pretty certain oh. that this oh. is the all-time record. Well, it's got, is it the uh, West, what are they called? The West yep. Wales Raiders? Yep, York yeah, City and... beat the West Wales Raiders. Yeah. 274 to nil. <laughs> to nil. 
So the first game was 144 nil, and the second game was 130 to nil. Yeah, I think the 144 nil. I think that's is that still the highest, or is it the second highest now? Uh, I think it equaled the record. Oh no, it beat the record for the most points in a game. I think the record before that was some game Huddersfield played in the early 90s against some amateur okay. side, and they won 142 to four or something. Okay. Now, also in that same year. Bradford beat West Wales Raiders by a combined score of 228 to nil. Fucking pretenders. <laughs> <laughs> Not even trying. For those wondering, the West, what were they called? The West Wales Raiders? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, they they don't exist anymore. I think they wound up at the end of last year. They did, yeah. Yeah. But that 2018 season... They had 26 losses from 26 games, scored 176 points, and conceded 2,106. Oh, man. It's hard to even think of how, like, just the logistics of that being possible. It gets worse because they were also deducted four competition points for fielding an ineligible player, so they ended up with the minus four points on the competition <laughs> ladder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah um yeah but there you go there's some stats for you yeah they're, they're good stats they're good ones I haven't, um, I haven't done stat stuff like that for quite a while actually I don't think I've done it at all this year and I used to do that sort of stuff on a regular basis so yeah. just chuck that out there I don't need to worry about doing it for the rest of the year now I think we're both getting our mojo back hey it does feel like it yeah 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 I'm right and you're doing stats it's great. It's going crazy. I know. A um, little bit of news, some mm. weird news. Tevita Pangai Jr. is retiring at the end of the year to take up boxing. He's yeah. Tw- he's 27, right? He was contracted to the Bulldogs through to the end of next year. That's going to help their salary cap quite a bit, which they need all the help they can get. Um, I would not be shocked if, by about June next year, he's on someone's squad. It's It seems like a weird one. It does, yeah. It does make me feel like um, he might have been kind of pushed out the door. And me too. Given, given an asking price that he probably had and the performances didn't line up with it, I dare say he wasn't able to find a uh, a new team to go to. I I would love, absolutely love to have him back at Penrith. I think that 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 small stint he did, I think it was in 2021. Was it 21? Yeah, 21. Wasn't last year. Um, Was it last year? It wasn't last year, was it? No, it wasn't last year. It was the year before, wasn't it? Yeah. During the, the second year of COVID. Okay, because he, he was a Bronco and he left the Broncos mid-year, turned up at Penrith. He'd already signed his... Bulldogs contract when he turned up at Penrith. He played for Penrith for the remainder of the year and he was they just scaled his game back. They basically said, look, go out, do the basics. And he did the basics. It was really good football environment for him. Um, the only reason he didn't play in the grand final was because he was injured. Otherwise, he would have been there off the bench. I think that him being back at Penrith would be fantastic for him and the Panthers because he, he like... The talent is not a question. There's just he's a fantastic player when he's in the right environment. Um, 
but we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think he'll be back in an NRL club at about June next year. Yes. Um, what other side news we've got here? Cruz Leeming hasn't been signed by the Titans yet, and he's the only one without a contract for next year. Um, so they've basically got their side um, locked in. Titans have also announced that Thomas McCauley will return to Super League to play for Warrington. Um, CEO Suyo Tokiaho has been released by Catalan, and he's keen to come back to the NRL. Mm-hmm. Um Jake Clifford is going back to North Queensland. He signed a one-year deal up there for next year. Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, so when does uh, Townsend come off their books? I think he's got next year. Yeah, it feels like last a, year. Yeah, so that that's good timing. I think yeah. I think Clifford's a good player. He's not too bad. He's he's got a few things he does where you go, what the hell are you doing? Mm. Um, if he can just play a little bit more balanced and not. Sometimes he looks a little panicky. Yeah. Um, if he ever feels a bit panicky, just pass the ball or take a tackle. You know, don't try and do some fancy bullshit stuff because that's when fuck-ups happen. Yeah. And that's just – that's the easiest way around it. Until you can get your composure and you can play those moments a bit better, it's easy just to take the tackle or pass it to someone else, like a forward or someone like that, and have another crack in the next set. Um. Jack Cogger and Jed Cartwright have been signed by the Knights for next year. I don't understand Cogger for the Knights. Well, given they've just lost Clifford, that's probably what they're thinking, I guess. But Jake Clifford, but he was he was over in Hull. Oh, is that where he was? Sorry, I thought yeah. he was in the low grades at the Knights. No, no, oh, he was over go. playing at Hull. Um, yeah, yeah I, d- I just don't get it. I know Clune left. I think Clune left the uh, – did he leave the Newcastle Knights this – to yeah. go and play Super League club, yeah. That's right, yeah. Yeah. So um, maybe maybe it's filling in that that sort of role there, but I still don't understand it. Now one of the the funniest signings is Jamin Salmon going to the Bulldogs. Yeah, he signed that a few weeks ago. Uh, Salmon is, and that's I, funny not because of anything to do with Jamin as as a player, no, no. but because of Ricky Stewart's comments. Oh, because yeah. Um, I don't understand it for the Bulldogs in like when he plays for Penrith, he's kind of a stopgap measure in that he he has a little bit of size about him. He's a lower grade sort of play like a playmaker, but you could put him in the forwards or out in the centres, like at a stretch. You know, he's he's kind of a little bit of a utility play for Penrith, and they can carry someone like him because of the team they've got. I don't know why any other team would have signed him. The problem that Penrith's got is he's basically in the same mould as Luke Garner mm-hmm. and Scott Sorensen. Mm-hmm. They play a little bit wide of the ruck when they are in the forwards and they can cover the centres. Yeah. Um, and you don't need three of those guys at the club. Hell, you can you can argue you don't need two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's just surplus. And probably the less... Able of the three. And, but like you look at it from a Bulldogs point of view, what is his role at the Bulldogs? Like it's, it's not in halves because they've got their halves sorted. His role is to be a former Panther there. Yeah. It's kind of feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah. It's almost like the Bulldogs are trying to show the West Tigers how to sign as many Panthers players as possible. 
And the Tigers have just gone, okay, hands in there. You've beaten us. We're going to start sending them back now. <laughs> how good How good did Dane Laurie look last oh, week, by the way? He's been amazing. <laughs> you can't half tell that bloke's got his tail in the air knowing that he's not going to be stuck at this stupid fucking club for another year. <laughs> and go like, back to winning games again. Hooray. I, I know how filthy you've been about some of the type things Dane Laurie's done, right? But you've got to admire the fact that he's been pretty fucking open with how he feels. <laughs> like, he didn't want to leave the Panthers. He supported the Panthers when he left. He, you oh, know, I'm... when he got his contract back with the Panthers, he's just on top of the world again. <laughs> no, I, I never got why people got so pissed off about him wearing a Panthers jumper. Oh, he gives a fuck. It's a jumper. But so many Tigers fans were up in arms. They wanted him sacked and everything else, have his contract torn up. Well, you know, they've got what they wanted now. Yeah. He's gone. Um, I was watching Viliami Kikau play for the Bulldogs, and his first decent ball that he got was like 60 minutes into the game. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. he dropped it. He did, yes. And but, he also had one try run past him. And he, he looked got, like he'd been brought back about three weeks too early. And I tell you what, he was playing uh, Luke Thompson, was on his inside, and my mm. goodness, he's so good. Yeah, but uh, I'm watching Viliami kick out, and when players sign big contracts, and, and Viliami was on a good contract at Penrith, but he's a millionaire every year at the moment at the Bulldogs, and when a player signs contract like that, they do not ever regret it. As much as people want to fucking talk about that shit, they ne- no player ever regrets becoming a millionaire every year under any contract. Um, but I'm watching him, and I'm thinking about where he was at the Penrith Penrith Panthers, what he was doing, the moments he was involved in. And I'm watching him play out there with this Bulldogs team and he's part of the, just everyone's playing bad for the Bulldogs right now. It's not like he's this lone star for them at the moment. And it just, it's just a weird situation seeing a guy go from that to, from going from like world beaters to that situation. It's so weird to watch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – I I don't know. I, I watched some of the highlights of, of Kikiao's game, and I just looked at him and going, he just doesn't look properly fit yet. Mm. Um, his lateral movement wasn't there. He did pull out an absolute fucking bell ringer of a tackle. Yeah, he killed a man, yeah. Yeah. But fair enough. But, <laughs> well, that was the thing that – he improved probably most over the last two seasons with the Panthers was his defense where he, like if he got a hand on you, you were tackled. It didn't matter what was going on. Yeah. Um, Part of his problem too, wasn't so much about affecting the tackle, but his timing was always piss poor because half mm-hmm. the times he'd either be um, offside or leaving his line too late mm-hmm. or running up and in on the wrong person and creating a hole somewhere. He's just making a few wrong decisions. He didn't do it a lot. But when he made a mistake, it was always exploited because it was such a glaring, bloody mistake, and he's too slow to turn around and get back to where he should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he looked like he didn't have much lateral movement at all on the weekend. I thought, I don't know if his body's right to be back yet. But the Bulldogs seem desperate to, I don't know, maybe they think they can still make the finals. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they're doing. I just, you know, at this state... Just rest him. Bring in some young guys. Get them ready. See if they see if they're ready to make the step up. And just just leave kick out off until next year. 
Yeah, because they're getting flogged anyway. Yeah. What are you going to do? You bring him back early and run the risk of him getting an even worse injury. Then what? You're fucked next year already. Yeah, exactly. Give the bloke some time off. Speaking of having time off, mm. our favourite turnstile of all time is retiring at the end of this year. No. I, I don't know what it's going to be like to watch a Canberra Raiders game and not see Jared Crocker out. Oh, yes, I will. It'll be like when he's playing defence. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's... um. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing that he's he's played 300 games. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. This, oh. does he, is he higher on the list of... You know how we were talking about uh, Moses and Bai? Mm-hmm. And how he can have a, an NRL career. And if, you, if you're watching it from afar, you're like, I don't get it. But he still keeps getting runs. But then we talked about how, like, if you were around him, he's just the best dude in the world. Yeah. Do you reckon that's Jared Croker's deal as well? He's just a good bloke. Just fucking amazing. He must be. Because, I mean, let's think about it, okay? Nearly every player's had some sort of little minor thing or Mm -hmm. major thing that they've done in their career, which you could look at him and go... Yeah, you shouldn't have done that. It may not be an off-the-field thing either. It could be something they've done stupid on the field. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't... He's had no controversy about his career whatsoever. No, none. He's... As much as we'll uh, rip on his defence, um, he's managed to be a very respectable member of the uh, rugby league playing fraternity. You can't, We can't take that off him. Yeah, he's like he, and from everything you hear about him, he's just a really, really nice guy. Which we, we've also said, like, so much more important than being a really good rugby league player is being a good person. You know? Well, well yeah, because I mean that's forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and think of the years that he was at Canberra too, from two thousand and nine till now. Mm. How many rap bags they've had there, and how many dramas they've had with players there in that time? Mm-hmm. Carney, Dugan, mm-hmm. um. God, I know there's been others, but those are the two worst ones to stick out. Yeah. They've had a few others they've had to get rid of over time. Um, a few dramas with players here, there, and everywhere. And stuff with Milford. Um, you know, Tom Starling. Was that dude that you guys signed? Big fella. Centre. Big fella? Big centre? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, the accountant. Uh, the accountant. <laughs> I forgot we called him that. Joey Lalua. Yes. Joey Lalua. That's the one. That's it. There's a, there's a great um, music video on YouTube. Someone's done a mockery of the song by Drowning Pool called Bodies. Yeah. And the song's called I Can Only Count to Four. <laughs> um, I I suggest everyone watches it. But, yeah, every time I hear that song, I'm thinking of, <laughs> I'm thinking of Big Joey. The accountant. The accountant. You can only count to four. Um. Yeah, they've they've had their fair share of of rap bags down there and and dumb shit that's gone on. Um, but he's kept his nose clean the whole way through. Yeah. Um, that's a credit to him. And for a long yeah. time there, prior to well, just after twenty twenty, he barely missed a game as well. He only had one season from two thousand nine to twenty twenty where he played less than twenty games, and that was in twenty eighteen where he played seventeen. 
Yeah, he's he's more likely to miss a kick that mattered than miss a game <laughs> or a tackle. I didn't make tackles. Yeah. Um, I was told I didn't watch that Canberra game, but I got told by more than one person that the young bloke that came in and it was his first grade debut. So keep that in mind. But that he was playing defence like Crocker, like it was just a, a nightmare game in his on the, debut on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, who was that? Is that Tomoko? No, 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 no. He's amazing, that dude. Yeah, I do like that. Probably. Yeah, he's incredible. Uh, I, I don't know the young bloke's name, but it was his, apparently it was his first first grade game, and it, he just had one of those days. Which Darren Lockyer had one of those days in his first Test match. Do you remember that? Yes. Wow, his first Test match was the worst Test match maybe I've ever seen anyone play. That's not in a Great Britain jersey. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Um, he was out there playing like Andy Farrell. <laughs> Peak Andy Farrell? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking like Golden Boot winner Andy, Andy Farrell. He was out nice. there. He was out there playing like fucking. Who else can we bag? <laughs> he was. He was out there playing like Jamie Peacock. <laughs> play like him or play like he talks. Playing like he talks as well. He was he was out there playing like fucking Gary Schofield against the world in an exhibition game. He's a uh, fiftieth international. <laughs> Except it nope. wasn't. Nope. It didn't count. Um, didn't count, Gary. <laughs> Speaking of English rugby league, yeah. Cindy Lauper's uh, wardrobe beat the Hull Kingston Rovers in extra time, seventeen sixteen, to win the Challenge Cup. Yeah. I actually watched this game. I was a little bit uh, drunk. I was going to say, it. you had to have been somewhat inebriated. Yeah, and I didn't have my full attention on the game. I sort of had it on while I was doing other things. But uh, it was a pretty scrappy affair. Uh, Hull KR never really looked... Like, there were times where you watched the game and it was like, oh, Hull KR are back in it now. They should go on with it. And they just... That there was a lot of silly mistakes and it was a lot of scrappy stuff and yeah it was a it was interesting I was surprised that that the Lee Leopards pulled it out but you know good luck to them yeah what did you think of the jumper I thought they all looked like a bunch of sluts <laughs> uh, it's I still look at it and I'm going the fuck are you guys thinking seriously? You you can't turn your club into a meme and not cop the meme, you know? No, that's right, you can't. Um were there any players there that you recognised? Lachlan Lamb, uh it, it's good to see Lachlan Lamb affecting football games. Yes. <laughs> what do you think of um Edwin Apapi, the hooker for Lee? The Papua New Guinean hooker? Because remember when we watched him during the World Cup, he was just yeah. insanely good. Honestly, I was too drunk. Fair enough. Yeah. And it would have been, what, 2 o'clock when it finished? Yeah, it was about then. And I, like, I... I went to God Point as well, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did, yeah. Bloody hell. And in my head, I don't know if this is how it worked out, but in my head... Hull KR had a really amazing opportunity to win the game really early on in, in, in Golden Point, and they stuffed it. 
and then Lee just sort of went down the other end of the field, kicked the goal and, and the field goal, and that was it. Um, put it this way, the game finished at, at 2. At 1 a.m., I ordered 37 bucks worth of Maccas. Well, of course you would. Yeah, which got, got you cold. <laughs> of but, course but, it did. Yeah, but, <laughs> and it was the best taste of Maccas ever. When I'm, oh. when I'm drunk, I can eat, let me tell you. Um, the um the whole KR team didn't exactly have the most ideal warm up match prior prior to playing this uh, Challenge Cup final. Yeah, because they got belted by Wigan sixty four to six the week before. That's a rough one. Yeah. Um, but they're still sitting around six on the ladder. I think yeah. Lee though are second. They're second now, hey. I think they said yeah. They beat Leeds last week thirteen to six. Yeah, but everyone beats Leeds now. The yeah, the Super League ladder's looking a bit weird at the moment. So you've got Wakefield and Kaz are both at the bottom on uh, eight points each. So they both had more wins than the West Tigers, though. So that means the West Tigers are relegated. Nice. 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 Who would you want to see brought up from the lower grades in Australian Rugby League to replace the West Tigers? Um, oh, that's a damn good question. Uh, well, the thing is, there's no, I don't know if there's any teams there that are, like, from a new area. What the, about the PNG Hunters? They're in the Queensland Cup, aren't yeah, they? But, yeah, but that's, like, the lower grades. Okay. Um, yeah, they'd be at the top of the, top of the tree. Yeah. Comfortably. I mean, the best performing lower grade team at the moment, I think, is either South Logan in Brisbane or the North Sydney Bears. Last I looked, the Bears were at the top of the ladder in the New South Wales Cup by a comfortable volume. Okay. And we can't, I mean, we can't bring the Bears back. They're dead. Well, the West Tigers aren't exactly alive. <laughs> well, that's true. Maybe you could merge them, the Northwest Tigers. The Tiger Bears. The Northwest Tiger Bears. They sound sounds like an Indian Premier League team, hey? Yeah, you just got to add some red onto the jumper and call them a Kings as well, the Tiger Bear Kings. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> they can they can add another home ground to their their repertoire. Be brilliant, and I'm another surprised. ancient ground. Yeah, no, another one whose feature is a tree. <laughs> See, that's what Campbelltown needs to sort out. They need to get a tree. Yeah, plant it now. It'll be ready for the time they make the finals next day. I'll just get a big one. There's a few of them around Leichhardt. Just grab a few of those and just plant it out there somewhere. One of those. Then again, it is Campbelltown. So I can think of some trees that could be really well propagated in Campbelltown. <laughs> Not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there we go. Well, what else has been going on in the world of sport? Um... I think that's it in rugby league that I can think of. I don't think that we've missed anything. And in the wider world of sport, I, I like we've had the Women's World Cup. Did you Have you seen any of that? Yeah, I watched the quarterfinal they played against France. I saw the last uh, couple of uh, penalty kicks. Yep. That was good. It was good to see Australia win. A sucky way to finish a sporting contest, though. Imagine if rugby league finished that way. Like after Golden Point, it was still a tie, and then both sides just had to have five cracks at like a field goal, and yeah. one defender was allowed to come up and try and block it. Yeah, 
That'd be weird. I don't know. That seems like a probably good way of going about it. I think I might actually prefer that to Golden Point. Really? That'd be interesting. Oh, I'd hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all bad. Yeah. But, yeah, it was good to see the Australian team do well. It's interesting to see, uh, like, people's reaction to sporting events. And, like, I watch it, and I'm like, oh, that's great. That's really good news. But then you see people reacting in, like, really negative ways. Like, for some reason, this Women's World Cup, it hurts them or something. And then you see all the politicians who are just clambering over each other to try and make it all about them. And yeah. there's just so many different reactions to it. But I think most people are just watching it for the sporting contest it is, which is great to see. I just hope that uh, some of the people that are going to these games do go to the women's A-League contests uh, as well. That would be good to see. Absolutely would. Yeah. Um, I've just decided to have a look on the Fox Sports website. Yeah. Just to see if there's any content that we've missed out on. Uh-huh. Um, and that weird-looking creature, David Riccio, is on there. Yeah. I'm not listening to it. I'm just looking at the caption underneath his weird-looking frog face. He looks like Nostafaru. <laughs> I don't know what he's man. He, he looks like a car salesman that I don't trust. <laughs> um, and they're debating about whether... Well, see, they, they can't say Trebojevic, so they always call him Turbo. Yeah. They're suggesting that he should retire from rep footy. Okay. I mean, he's, what, 25? How's about mm. you retire from journalism? Yeah. I'd take that on. I'll buy, I just remembered something that we didn't talk about. Mm, what was that? I read an art, or well, I didn't read the article. I just saw the, uh, you know, the little, like, preview of the article. Mm-hmm. And it was something along the lines of that th- there was a couple of things. Brad Fittler will go into a meeting with the New South Wales Rugby League and they'll put it to him that he can keep his job his job as New South Wales coach as long as Ivan Cleary is there coaching the team. That's the first thing. And if that sounds ridiculous, it's because it is. And the yeah. second thing the second thing is that there is a big sponsor that is willing to back Brad Fittler to remain as the New South Wales coach, and if that sounds ridiculous, it's because it is. So they've decided that Fett was doing a good job? Well, he isn't. Well, no. I mean, that's the great thing about results. Yeah, I know. It's almost like they're black and white and they go on a board that you score by. Yeah, they're they're pretty... um... They're pretty rock solid. Like, you, you kind of lock them in. Yeah, yeah. It's very irrefutable. Apparently not when you're the New South Wales Rugby League. Well, there you go. That's that's uh, that's fucking insane. It is. I like the idea of, like, you can remain the coach as long as you have nothing to do with actually coaching the team. Yeah. I think part of the problem that Brad Fittler, uh, Brad Fittler has there is Andrew Johns. Well, I I, I think it's the, the whole lot of that whole, oh, the, the whole, whole cartel, you know? The whole thing is, the whole thing is bad. I don't yeah. think Brad Fittler is out there, like, running plays. I think that's what Andrew Johns is doing. Yeah. And I don't think that his involvement is good. I haven't come across any 
players yet who have been coached by Johns that have got better because of what he's coached them. Yeah, it feels like he he never adds anything to a player. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember, well, I think we saw a video of him a few years back. It might have been when Cleary first came into the Origin side, and he's trying to show Cleary how to grubber basically at the goal post. Mm. And then Cleary just comes through and does the first one, bank hits the post, and you're like, well, you know, that's that job done. Yeah. Thanks, Joey. <laughs> It's the fucking point of that. It's like, shouldn't be just trying to grub it towards, I don't know, teammates. That would be <laughs> handy. Yeah, the goalposts aren't exactly going to be able to score a try for you. <laughs> fucking genius. Um, I've got something interesting. Okay. This is some analysis of the referees so far this year. Ooh, okay. Based on, um, you know, challenge success rate and mm-hmm. bunker overturns. Okay. So, 46.6% of player challenges are correct. Are correct in terms of the player got it right and it does yes. get overturned? Okay, yes. that's higher than I thought it would be. Yes. Grant Atkins is running at 50% when it comes to being challenged. Um, who's on here that's not too bad at all? Let's see. Peter Goff's at worse than 50%. Liam Kennedy. He's only had um, five challenges successful out of 17 against him. Wow. So he's not too bad. Um, ben Cummins, 10 out of 25. Todd Smith, 12 out of 35. And Chris Sutton, 5 out of 15. Um, do, you re- do you reckon that those stats are just completely random? Or... No. <coughs> no, you don't? No, these have come from a... Um, a statistical analyst, uh, sorry, a statistical analyst yes. uh, who I know that works within the team that compiles all the NRL statistics for their website, not actually for the NRL, but of NRL games. Yeah, but but do you reckon that, like, I, like the stats aren't random, right? But do you think the outcome of the statistics that have been compiled, do you think they are indicative of something or do you think it's just random is what I'm saying? All right, um... The problem I find with this one, which is hard to pull apart, yeah. is the genuine challenges. Because, you That's know, when you get to the last three or four minutes of a game, you'll get teams just use them up just to waste time. And yeah. so that's – I mean, obviously you can't take it out. Yeah. But that's that's changing an awful lot because most of those challenges are, are ones where the referee's right. Yes which if you took those out, you may actually find that the challenges go more up towards the referee being um, in the wrong, I guess. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, the amount of times a bunker has overturned the on-field referee's decision, mm-hmm. this is a lot lower than I realised. 6% of tries awarded by the referee are being overturned by the bunker. That's interesting because they're looking at every single try. Yeah. And if you think about how much time we fucking sit every weekend watching them make those decisions, and it's only 6% get overturned. 85 out of nearly 1,400 tries. When I say nearly 1,400, fuck it. It's 1,396. Wow. 
Wow, that's a Thanks lot of it's a lot of time we're wasting for six percent. Yeah, that's crazy. You wonder why we bother. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I found that to be pretty fascinating stuff. Um, Peter Goff, he's had eight overturns out of 189 tries scored. Mm-hmm. Um, who else has got probably similar or better? That's probably the best one there. Eight from 189. See that, like a a referee having a say a referee gives a try and it gets overturned because the the video ref has seen something in there that like a knock on or something. Um, like I, I, I don't put that down to the referee because those situations you can be obscured very, very easily. Oh, absolutely. You know, but the the on field in play coaches challenge stuff is interesting to me just for the fact that there's a little bit of um, like the, so the referees have their touches working with them. And so how much they listen to their touches, how much they don't listen to their touches, and then where they're positioned on the field, how how they're doing those calls. And then there's got to be a human element of just teams that think the ref is fucking wrong when he's not. Yep. Like some, some ref, like it's a, they're humans. There's got to be some refs that just rub people the wrong way. Well, what we're seeing on here is Peter Goff is the least likely to sin bin players. Mm-hmm. He's had he's issued six sin bins from 21 games. Now, the other guys who have refereed at least 20 games, Todd Smith had 15 uh, sin bins, Jared Sutton, 13, um, Adam G, 13, uh, Ashley Klein, 19, and Grant Atkins, 16. So Peter Goff's only got six. That's interesting. Um, he was also the one with the best um, average when it came to percentage of tries being uh, overturned. So maybe Peter Goff is the best referee in the game. It's him, or, it's him or Todd Smith. You know what's interesting is I wonder how what their KPIs are for the refs because I would hazard a guess that when they do their analysis of the referees, you get positive points for... Um, not just making decisions, but not letting certain things go in a in a play. So yeah. say say a team is down by sixty points, right? And there's a play that's not quite square at the ruck, and he gets across and he makes a tackle. If the the what most referees probably in the lower grades would do is be like, look, they're they're up by fucking. 60 points just play on you know but if you do that at the nrl they mark that as a negative against you as the referee whereas if you are in the nrl and you do six again because of that that's a positive does that make sense yeah yeah i I wonder like i think that you would get positive marks for uh not sticking to the rules but just like because we want to stick to the rules but to have an if you get positive marks for influencing the game, I I don't know if they'd want to be using that terminology of influencing the game. Yeah, it's the wrong terminology, but I yeah I hope people understand what I'm saying. Like I'm not saying that they're 
they're doing anything um, bad, but I think that you would you're more likely to get positive against your name if you you know if you've given the fourth six again in a row and you haven't given a team a chance to. You know, you, you haven't said, oh, look, that guy, he was trying to get back. He did get to the line. Instead, if you give the six again against him because he did get back to the line. But then you're like, I don't know, maybe I'm just explaining it wrong. Like, I don't think the refs are doing anything weird or anything no, bad. No. I think I kind of get what you're getting at. Like, yeah. if they, right, there could be a team that's, um, you know, kind of giving away a few too many too many penalties or they're, they're pushing the line a bit too much. Mm-hmm. And so the referee might be a little bit um, quick to blow the whistle just to send them a message of, I know what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Get your ass back on, back on side or, you know, get yourself back in order before I start doing this more often against you. And so I think sometimes, uh, this is not frequent, but sometimes the referee might be using a, a set restart, for example, as a mm-hmm. way of reminding players, who the fuck's in charge, and I see what you're doing, and you're not going to get away with it sort of thing. I, I've got an... I've, okay, I've worked out how to say what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's important to think about what you say, because it really does sound like I'm saying the ref's doing something weird. They're not. I think that you would get more of a positive response being a whistle-happy referee than you would be letting the play flow. I don't know. I think we've seen in the last few years that that wasn't quite the case. Remember when you we reckon? had all the when we had all the penalties galore and everyone was bitching and moaning about it. No, but I mean in the referees' room. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. That's that's what I've meant the whole time. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I get what you mean there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I I don't know. I oh. I took I took five and a half minutes to finally craft a fucking <laughs> argument. And you say I don't know. I don't know. No, because look, for a long time, like, and for what reason I don't understand. Bill Harrigan was was regarded as some absolute fucking bashing of great refereeing because he didn't blow the whistle very often. Yeah, but that's not what makes a good referee. That, if anything, that's what makes a bad referee. Yeah, and the people the like the the old freaking drunkards that write journo articles and shit like that will say the reason why it was good and he let the game flow and going, no, no, no. He let teams get away with cheating is what he did. Mm. That's not letting the game flow. That's okay. allowing the game to get decided by um, illegal play. Apart from, that right. time that, apart from that time he stopped that terrible against the spirit of the game run that uh, Benny Elias made. Remember that one? I think it was... Um, Bruce McGuire. Bruce McGuire. Oh, I thought it was Benny Elias, huh? No, no, no. Okay. Benny, as if Benny Elias would do anything against the spirit of anything. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> Promptly. Uh, you will not open that door, you bastard. <laughs> Let's just keep that keep that fucker locked. Um, <laughs> but... Oh, yeah, you know, when we had that issue with the, the, you know, when the refs had the crackdown and they were, I think they had that game between the the straw that broke the camel's back when Cameron Smith and Luke Lewis both got simbined in that Sharks versus Storm game and there was 36 penalties or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
all the refs boss had to do then all they did then after that one was come out and explain this and why this and why this and why this. And I think Annesley doesn't want to go out there explaining why penalties were ruled mm-hmm. because that means he'd have to actually talk to the referee mm-hmm. and speak to someone who's better than him at something. Whereas if a referee didn't call a penalty, that's easy for him to just pull him out and say, well, you, you're fucked up and you did the wrong thing. And he likes to, he prefers to do that talking down to them instead of being told um, how games are supposed to be officiated. He doesn't like being told. He likes to tell. He's going to run the International Rugby League, isn't he? Well, he probably will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just see a lot of games. I've seen a lot this year, and I think this is the worst season for the referees that I can remember. Um, I see a lot of games where the referees get in the way of the contest, and that's not to say that they should allow rules to be broken, but um, I think I, I think that you've got to let teams decide. You've got to let the teams play footy, and it's a rough game, man. It's it's a real rough game, and not everyone can play it. And you can referee the game by letting the contest play out, or you can really get involved and call a lot of different things if you want to. And that's a balance. And I think some referees have a better time balancing that than other referees. And I think that the KPIs probably lean towards the the referees at the moment that uh, blow their whistle at more than they should than the ones that are the other, other way. You're probably right. Thank you. I just needed you to say that. You're probably right. Why couldn't you have said that 10 minutes ago? Well, yeah, I'm an arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> People didn't know that already by the whole birthday thing. I just need to further, <laughs> just just further emphasise that. Um, <laughs> shit. But, uh, shit, that's funny. <laughs> and I, the thing, there are times when I'd like to sit there and say, this referee's doing a shit job. And there's a lot of people out there that, that do that. Yeah, Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But, I can't, I can't drag myself away from the fact that these poor bastards have been fucked around with so many different rule changes. They're not just mm-hmm. one rule change and something else somewhere else, something else. Some of them have been reverted back. Some of them have been reverted back a bit. Some all the way. Some new things have come in. So, you know, we, like we used to have the set restart was everywhere. And then all of a sudden they just said, oh, it's only on one half. It's a scrum on the other side of the field. Or sometimes it's a tap. And sometimes it's... All these different fucking variations on what should be just a black and white rule. Yeah. Knock on, just have a fucking scrum. Oh, no, you can do a tap here or you can do this or you can move the scrum into the middle if you want. Going, Why? Yeah. No, just keep it as it was and stop changing shit. And all these constant changes, even small tweaks here and there, it's shit you've got to keep in the back of your mind along with every other fucking thing that's in the back of your mind the whole time. It's just stuff constantly stuck there. And it just keeps changing. And changing and changing and changing. It's fucking tiring just to hear about it. Imagine having to try and deal with that in your workplace every year. Oh, we're going to change a few different things now. We're not doing it that way anymore. We're doing it this way. Oh, we yeah. might go back to doing it that way. Oh, we're going to do this completely differently. Oh, we're not even going to do that thing anymore. We're going to do this other thing instead. And this whole shit goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And they get to a, they've got to be at a point now where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Um. It's. I don't think now there's ever been a worse time to be an on-field referee than right now. Yeah, I, I agree. 
I, I was actually talking to somebody about it on the weekend and saying, like, uh, I, 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 I don't blame the referees. I blame the administration. And it, if, and I was talking about what you were talking about, the how the goalposts shift on them all the time, just yeah. all the time, like mid-season. Um, when the yeah. dickhead running the game is doing and doing the bidding for the fucking media people who are constantly sucking his dick the whole time and they hate referees. Yeah. Not because of any issue they have what the referees do. Of course they don't because they don't watch the game. They just hate on them because they know that they're there and it makes them look like they're watching the games and they're being analysts when they actually don't watch shit. Yeah. So they're an easy target. And they've got this moron who's running the game to sit there and kowtow to every fucking thing they suggest and say. And so the referees, are they've got the media against them and the media's got the fans against them. And then the rules keep changing from the bloke running the game all the time because that's what the media wants all the time. Even though the media's not watching the game, they don't know what's best for it. So they've got this constant cycle of fuckwittery going on and they're constantly stuck in it and they can't get out of it. And nothing good is happening in that cycle. It's just passed from one piece of shit to another piece of shit and another piece of shit. Then they get abused for it. Then it comes back around and it's just on and on and on. I'm going, no, it takes a, it takes a strong fucking human to want to go and do that for a career. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I, uh, I tell you what, one thing that's happened more this season than I can ever remember is, um, seeing the, the video referee looking at whether something's a try or not and watching it and just being like, you could call that either way. And I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. Yeah. I mean, the dumb thing now is I say to the referee, um, we need you to make a decision on the field. Hmm. He makes a decision and then he walks back to where the goal's going to be kicked from and stands there listening in his earpiece because he knows they're talking about it and they're reviewing it and going, hmm. what's the point of him making a decision if they're going to review it anyway? Yeah. Yeah, it's and and I don't think it's saving any time at all. Like the whole does, idea was that we we were saving time, we're saving time. I don't think we're saving time. Well, remember that other wank that said, "Oh, we don't like seeing um people missing out on the opportunity to celebrate a try." Said, "Oh, now they get that opportunity, and then you make them all pissed off by taking it away from them." Yeah, it's like it's so stupid. Apparently, Taking that's somehow better. Yeah. Apparently, that's somehow better than having to wait for your moment of enjoyment. No, let's get them all. Let's make everyone happy first and then make them pissed off. Yeah, it's just so silly. That's better, apparently. That's um, the media for you, though. That's what happens when you, you have all the power of being able to change how the game's played, despite you, the fact you don't watch it and you don't understand it. Yeah, I, I agree. I tell you what, I've been... Uh, watching a little bit of Channel 9's broadcasts of the NRL the last few weeks. And you're a, it is, you're a it fucking is, statist. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is so dated and the commentary is so bad. Mm. And, like, you can tell that they're not at the games. Like, sometimes they just sound dis- disinterested, like this is getting in the way of something else they'd rather be doing. It's fucking shocking how bad it is. And, like, I, I will watch... Fox Sports for the most part. And, you know, sometimes some of the commentary on that is stupid and goofy and ridiculous, but at least they're excited about what they're talking about. There's a lot of these NRL games on Channel 9 where 
they just sound disinterested. It's really incredible that um, th- their product has fallen to that that point, and they just need a complete broom of everyone out of there. Just absolutely everyone. No one should stay. They should all go. I'm here for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've pretty much gone after everyone this one. It's been good. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've burned any bridges that we uh, we could see. It's been fantastic episode. Mate, what are bridges for if they're not for be burning? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's no fun just crossing bridges. Yeah. You just yeah. go places. We don't want to end up like the media trying to suck their way to a free trip to Las Vegas. <laughs> Ooh, they're going. They all did it so openly too. It was amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. well they're they're not they're not trying to hide it anymore. I thought that I thought the Lee Leopards looked like the biggest sluts in rugby league this week. <laughs> Turned out it was the mainstream media. Yep, they went on their knees. Yeah, good old Lee. Oh, well. Um, I suppose we'll wrap this one up then. Yeah, it's been a good, fun episode. Yeah, we've we've ripped into everything, as we should. Yes. No one else will, so we'll do it. Yeah. Unless they're Brazil Rugby League, then we know they will. Yeah, they will as well, yeah. They're basically just us, but running a sport. <laughs> if you want to know what it'd be like if we were running sports somewhere for a country, check out Brazil Rugby League. Follow them on Twitter. Can't, I can't recommend that enough. I agree. Um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you check us out on the socials. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, MySpace, Threads. I've got to check that one in now. Uh, Instagram. I don't know if I said that one or not already. Um, so check us out. Share us around everywhere. Like, subscribe, retweet, all that sort of stuff. And uh, we'll catch you all next time.